here we are showing up wholeheartedly, vulnerable, and empowered. This is Pocket Amy. Hi, everyone. It's Amy. I'm super excited to be talking to you about arising and shining not like celebrities, but definitely like stars, not gathering fans, but definitely building and leaving a legacy. Today, I want to leave you with this phrase, not performing, but pleasing. In order to talk about performing and pleasing, I've got to go way back into my childhood and just express to you what a little people pleaser and classic overachiever I was to the point no joke this is not my parents fault it is not my teacher's fault it's nobody's fault this was deeply ingrained in my makeup and 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 my personality and it it ended up having a shiny side once I realized that I was an Enneagram number three and that I just really love excellence and I really love Um, blessing and pleasing people. I love making a difference um, and and even achieving and and doing stuff that makes a difference. That's awesome and all well and good while it remains healthy. But in first grade, I'm, I'm joking not. I used to count the O's on my report card. Okay, for those of you who do not understand what I'm talking about, back in the olden days, in the mid-70s, when I was going to kindergarten, first grade, by first grade, I definitely understood that the report card on those little carbon, those little carbon copies, uh, the ink in the little square that was an assessment of how you were doing in all these different areas of academics in first grade, an O meant outstanding. And I had a pretty decent uh, understanding of what outstanding means. And it's like, oh, amazing, excellent. It's the highest. I also knew it was just the highest because you could look over at the little chart on your report card and see that it was the one on the top. And then underneath outstanding was an S, which meant satisfactory. And I don't know about you guys, but classic overachievers do not want to be satisfactory. It's like ho-hum, yawn, average. And it also was the second one down the list. So I just knew it wasn't the pinnacle. It was not the O I was going for. So not only did I pay attention to whether I got an O or an S or heaven forbid an N, which means needs improvement. I think about that now and I just want to laugh hysterically and cry because Even back then, the idea of needing improvement landed on my little six-year-old soul like total agony and failure. And uh, so, yeah, fast forward, you know, many years later, and and I had to wrestle with the idea of constant growth and improvement and pursuing excellence means that you have to be okay with not being at the pinnacle and not being excellent and not being perfect. Oh my gosh. So anyway, back to first grade. Not only did I know O was the best, but I also knew that I needed to count them. For some reason, I counted how many O's I had on my report card. Just for myself, 
Because it's not like my parents were saying, we'll give you a dollar for every O. Nobody ever told me to count them. But then, you know, the next quarter, you would get the report card again. And I don't know if you can visualize this, but remember the, I mentioned the carbon paper and the carbon copies? Well, you would be able to see real faint the grade that you got the quarter before. And then in new ink, you got the grade from this quarter. And you guys, I don't know. I, I still remember the feeling. If I went from an O in that category, in that little box, to an S the next quarter, I was like, what did I do wrong? How did I go from outstanding to satisfactory? Now, I felt a great sense of achievement if I went from an S to an O. That meant I had done something great to impress my teacher and that she was no longer just satisfied, but she was in awe and I was doing something amazing. And I never knew what those things were because to them, to the adults in my life, they were just like probably not even paying attention that I had an O and then an S or an S and then an O. But man, was it landing on me like an asteroid hitting the earth, creating these craters in me so big they couldn't be pounded out. And I can remember from that moment forward, um, just being extremely aware of my report card. So when I use the word performing, I'm not talking about singing and dancing and being in a Broadway show Though heavens to Betsy, I actually ended up also being a musician, a singer, performing on a stage, you know, being in school plays, being in church plays. So I was a performer in that classic definition as well. But I, I really wanted to make sure I mentioned the whole thing with grades because that's a type of performing too. And then that fear of failure or even just that fear of the S means satisfactory or the fear of the B minus, right? Uh, definitely about performing. So obviously it's a good thing that as we're growing, um, that we have an opportunity to become healthy in those areas where we are out of balance. So as I grew, I had the, the privilege of having two healthy parents who loved me unconditionally and who did not put nearly the weight on my report card that I did. And so I know that especially my mom was saying those things that I needed to hear that were all about performance and unconditional love and me being um, just right, just the way I was and all of that. And, and my dad too, expressing unconditional love that absolutely had nothing to do with my report card. So whether they were saying something or whether they were just living their lives expressing something, as I grew, the wisdom of the Lord began to be imparted and deposited in my life. And I knew that the grace of God and the grace of my parents and the grace of my teachers meant that I was loved even if I wasn't performing well or always getting the O or always getting applause. Meanwhile, that was a continual struggle. It was almost like a sermon that I needed to preach to myself on a regular basis, wisdom that I needed to receive straight from heaven on a regular basis, and teaching that I needed to receive 
from all of the spiritual leaders in my life on a regular basis. And I'm, I'm really, really grateful that I was receiving those things as a, as a people pleaser and an achiever and a performer, that I was getting those counter messages that were counterbalancing all of that. Uh, because honestly, if I didn't have that, I would have been really probably in a pretty toxic place before long if it started all the way in back in first grade. But as I mentioned a couple episodes ago, I want to, I just want to say on the other hand, on the other hand, not all that I had in my heart was unhealthy because as I was contemplating how God has not called us to be celebrities, but he's called us to be stars and he hasn't called us to gather fans, but he has gathered us to ask us to gather a legacy, build a legacy. This phrase dropped in my heart, not performing, but pleasing. And I thought about all the things that I did as a child that were clearly me just wanting to please my parents and please the Lord. And I just started thinking about all of the biblical ideas and all of the scriptures that talk about our worship, our praise, our actions, our righteousness, the purity of our hearts, just pleasing the Lord and it rising up before his throne like a sweet fragrance. And and I imagine bringing a smile to God's heart when I walk in obedience or when I do the right thing. That just like any good, good father, just like any good, good mother, he's sitting there smiling and his heart is warmed and he is pleased. And so then I was like, ooh, I I just really want to get surgical with this because there is a difference between performing and pleasing. There is a difference between performing for God's love And doing things that just please and bring pleasure to the heart of God. Just because we are loved and because we love him. And the picture that came to mind was the way a child runs into the room with their art in their hands. And they literally hold it up in front of their parent and say, look what I made. Look, mommy. Look, daddy. Or they bring it up to the teacher's desk. And they are so sure that it's a masterpiece and that it's going to bring a smile and it's going to be pleasing to their parent. And I think about the confidence that a kid has. Like, we're born with that. And unless something traumatic Unless there's some kind of neglect, unless there's some kind of a horrible thing that goes wrong, God created the nuclear family to operate and express his glory and and have that dynamic of confidence. A child just literally waltzing boldly into the throne room saying, look, daddy, look what I made, look what I painted, look at my drawing. And that there would just be this confidence. There's no performance because it never enters the mind or the heart of a child that, oh, I have to perform. I have to show them something excellent or they're going to throw me out of the throne room. They're going to reject me. No, like there's so much confidence that it's a masterpiece, that I'm a masterpiece, that I am so unconditionally loved, that every single thing I put my hand to 
everything I do, they're going to just love it. And so there's this, it's almost like a perpetual dance where there's total confidence, no performance, no fear of rejection, no fear of punishment, no fear of it not being good enough. And so just waltzing right in saying, look, look what I made, look what I've done, knowing ahead of time what our Heavenly Father is going to say, well done, well done. Good job. That's beautiful. I love it. And it's like there's so much confidence and so much grace. And that circle dance just keeps happening because I already know you're going to love it. And then the parent, our Heavenly Father, expresses the delight that we already knew was coming. And we're like, yeah, I knew you were going to love it. But somewhere along the line, in our actual family of origin and in our lens that we view God the Father, God the Son, and God Holy Spirit through, we, we can end up with a distorted view of could we ever, ever be enough in the presence of God? And we end up performing. And we end up striving. And we end up having anxiety and uncertainty about whether we're good enough, whether God's going to approve. And we end up on this hamster wheel of performance and lots of anxiety that go with it. So as I look at all of those tendencies in myself, where they started, how they manifested, what it looked like then in my teens, in my 20s, in my 30s, in my 40s, and how God has been continually telling me that I don't have to perform and I don't have to do and I don't have to prove and I don't have to strive. That he also wanted me to look at that, that seed in my heart that started all the way back then too of wanting to please him wanting to bring a smile to his face, wanting to feel that beautiful perpetual dance of confidence and already knowing I'm unconditionally loved and accepted and that he's going to love whatever I put my hand to. And that when I go into his throne room and it is indeed true that I am that beloved, that that's my identity and that it is completely divorced from anything I could ever do or not do, that there's no performance whatsoever on it. But that doesn't mean that I have to let go of that part of me that from the very beginning of my journey with Jesus, I just wanted to please the Lord. And that desire to please him is healthy. The compulsion to perform, to try and earn something that I already possess, is completely neurotic and bad theology. But my desire to please him is pure and good and right. And it's the very anchor that has served as really a direction of wisdom over my life, making decisions that I know will please him. 
actions, words, thoughts, may the very meditation of my heart please you, Lord, and search my heart. And if there's anything in there that's not pleasing to you, then then surgically remove it. And there's purity and health and goodness on that desire to please my heavenly father, to bring a smile to the faces of the entire holy trinity. So another nuance here, guys, another both and. We're not called to be celebrities, but we are called to be stars. We're not called to gather fans, but we are building a legacy. And for this episode, please remember, we're not performing, but pleasing. May you move forward with this phrase in your heart, not performing, but pleasing. And may all of the anxiety of performing and jumping through hoops just to earn love, may that begin to dissolve. May it it be eliminated from your life, from your mind, from your heart, from your soul. May you move forward, not performing, but definitely still with that really pure desire to please the Lord, to do things that not only bless others, but actually minister to the heart of God, that bless God, that rise before his throne like a beautiful fragrance. Things that he would consider lovely and delightful and powerful and anointed that make him jump up off of his throne saying, well done, well done. Not performing, but pleasing. Blessings to you. Thanks for tuning in for this episode of Pocket Amy. Mm-hmm.